Welcome, everyone. My name is Kyle. I'm the Groups and Generations Pastor for the English Campus. It's uh, yeah, a pleasure to be here with you this morning on uh, yeah, this, this lovely, wonderful day. I hope you guys can hang around afterwards and um, share some food and some coffee and some stories with each other. Um, I'm excited to be able to uh, start this new series with you. Uh, this new series is called uh, The Battle. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this series, The Battle, uh, because I think it will be pretty useful for not just how we live our, our lives, but also how we actually start to uh, interact with the, the world around us. Um, if you've been here or following us or are present over the last uh, nine weeks or pre- pretty much three months, ooh, uh, yeah, you'll know that we've been on a Holy Spirit-focused series called He Is More. We've spent nine weeks uh, in that over the course of roughly three months. Um, and it's been a, a really fantastic series for, for us. Um, I know that there's been lots of individual uh, breakthroughs and changes and steps taken, but I think also for us collectively, it's been a really, really good series uh, for us to be a part of and a journey for us to go on. And I think there, we feel like there's been such a, a positive movement in our, our, our church's journey, in our church's health, and there's been such a positive growth in our understanding of faith. And as a leadership team, we wanted to make sure that like, whatever we stepped into next, after the Holy Spirit series, felt like it was this natural continuation of where we're headed collectively. Um, and then also, at the same time, there is this, this need and urgency and, and pull to talk about things, uh, again, that are like public square issues, things that we're dealing on the, the day-to-day. Uh, you know, the, the stuff that we read about in the newspapers, if anyone buys papers anymore, or the, the things we read or watch on the news or the podcasts you listen to, um, you know, the, the sort of stuff that you hear and you start to discuss in your circles because they're the new current thing of the day. Uh, and now you're hearing about this thing that you've never heard about before. Like five years ago, this thing never existed, and now it's everywhere. And so you and your friends are all talking about it. This this constantly evolving world that we are participating in. Um, we we felt compelled to teach and uh, equip our community to engage with the culture and with the context that we're all participating in. Um, as I heard this week in the discipleship podcast uh, with the Perrys. Um, they said, everyone is being discipled. It's just a matter of who is discipling you. We are all being taught. We are all being influenced. Uh, we're all being discipled every day. And it's just a matter of who is discipling you. And then reading through 1 Corinthians, we see this wonderful theme where the Holy Spirit and the day-to-day issues collide. Uh, this letter from the Apostle Paul was written to a church in Corinth that was full of Christians who are just starting to mature in their knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And as they do, they are being instructed on um, how that relationship with the Holy Spirit impacts their interaction with the world around them. This is a letter written to a church full of real people dealing with real issues. And so Corinth, uh, where this church was located, um, is this city located in a, a port, Uh, It's this intersection of of travel and trade. It has temples to various gods and spaces for different religions to operate. Uh, There's different cultures and different beliefs and different way of living all mixed together in one place, which is not too different from Clayton uh, when you think about it. And in Acts 18, 
Um, if you go back in the Bible into Acts 18, you can actually read about the Apostle Paul planting this church there. It's quite cool. You feel like a, a little bit of a detective uh, following the trail of what's going on. And there's puzzle pieces from sort of all over Acts. And there's a mention um, in, the, in the chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, there's, uh, yeah, there's a mention of you know, someone named Chloe here. And then in Acts, there's a mention of a church plant here. And there's little snippets and references. And so you, you become like a real super sleuth trying to figure out where this letter came from and what's going on. But from what I read in the various commentaries, uh, the Apostle Paul... Uh, had spent a year and a half in this city, in this hustling, bustling, diverse city, um, about four years prior to writing this letter to them. And he had planted the church, and he knew the church well, and they knew him well, and they were actually able to receive instruction uh, from him. And so the, the letter, the first Corinthians that we have in our, our Bible, must have been viewed as this really significant piece of literature to the church, because only a few decades later, um, Clement, the Bishop of Rome, also wrote to the same church, and in it he referenced uh, this letter that was written to the Corinthians. And so this is a really important piece of writing to the church, and this is because Paul had this you know, large standing within the church world, he had this authority, but also because of this universal application of what is written about in this letter. And so there's these really big issues of sin and confusion and how to live a godly life in the Corinthian church. And the church, they genuinely, they really actually wanted to know, what do we do? Like they were a church that was hungry for the truth. Uh, they had written a letter as a church, like the church body or the church leaders had actually written a letter to Paul about it. And then even members of the church themselves had written to Paul asking like, what should we do? How should we live? Um, and it mentions there's a woman named Chloe who is mentioned in, in Paul's response in the letter. Um, and the apostle Paul replied because he was just so eager to provide direction to this church. And if you read, it's a bit quite funny because Paul also throws Chloe, the lady who wrote one of the letters, under the bus. Uh, in the first chapter, he writes this. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. So I can imagine, you know, Chloe being a, a wonderful person and her household being a wonderful people. And they have written out of genuine concern. They've written to Paul, probably in anonymity and a bit of secrecy, to ask for help with church division and church health. And then they get this letter sent back that is read, uh, read out in front of the entire church. And it's like, oh yeah, by the way, Chloe and her family have been telling me about all the dumb stuff that you guys have been doing. Yeah, Chloe's been snitching on you. And then, you know, Chloe looks down at her phone and she sees she's been removed from all these WhatsApp groups. And she's like, oh, okay, I'm not invited to the ladies' lunch anymore. Um, but the church itself had written to Paul, and it's mentioned at the chapter 7, and they had all these questions. They had all these questions about sexuality and marriage and singleness and worship and spiritual gifts and conflict and all these other things. And I guess if you're wondering how that connects to the Holy Spirit series and how this series overlap, well, we start to see these dots connecting as we read chapter 3. The NLT version says this, uh, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. 
I had to feed I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are con- con- you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of this world? And the NIV translation says this. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. People who live by the Spirit. And then Paul goes on to talk about life. He goes on to talk about marriage. He goes on to talk about lust. He goes on to talk about conflict and worship and church structure and spiritual gifts. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, is connecting the dots for the readers. He's saying, if you are filled by the Spirit, you will live by the Spirit. And if you live by the Spirit, this is the type of life that you would live. And so this series that we're going through the battle is a six-week journey and it'll be split up and semi-scattered over different weeks. And it's based around the realization that being filled with the Spirit also means leading a new mature way of living. The presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is the catalyst for transformation in a person's life. The Holy Spirit in you means transformation in your life and the way that you look at life. And that means, yeah, preach. That means that there is a battle inside all of us going on as the redemptive work of the Holy Spirit takes place. And so our views our opinions, our understanding, our wisdom, it is all being redeemed as the work of the Holy Spirit in us transforms us. We start to interpret the world around us from the heart of God rather than from our own internal inbuilt and faulty way of understanding the world. Uh, And so 1 Corinthians is this old letter written to an old church, but 1 Corinthians is a spirit-inspired writing to a spirit-led church. And 1 Corinthians is a letter teaching spirit-filled people on how to lead spirit-led lives. And that is why it is just just as relevant today as it was back then. And so with this series, we want to cover some current-day topics. Uh, This means through the wisdom found in 1 Corinthians, we'll be addressing human autonomy or like our our own bodily rights versus God's authority. So like, you know, do our bodies belong to us or do our bodies belong to the Lord? And there's a whole range of discussions that are attached to that. Um, There's this idea of self-help versus God's help. You know, the world offers this many streams of advice and its own version of wisdom. uh, But how do we accept God's wisdom even when it seems foolish to the world? Uh, There's this individualistic mindset versus social responsibilities. Uh, Are we allowed to do whatever we want to do? Or do we have social responsibilities to the communities and the the people that we are located in? There is this idea of cancel culture versus redemptive relationships. Uh, We often hear the buzzword of cancel culture and people being ostracized for their beliefs and opinions. But what is our response to people around us who have different and even contradictory and conflicting views in us. What is God's design for our differences? Uh, We'll be talking about like what we do versus what motivates us. So like 
do our actions matter if our intentions are bad? Do they even matter at all? Can, can we do good things out of a bad heart? Um, do we judge people? And we're, we're a real big judge culture online, at least. You know, it seems like you do one wrong thing and it's the end. Like, you know, do we judge people on their actions or do we judge people on their intent and their heart? And so all of this, whether we believe it or not, is touched on in this letter to the church in Corinthians. And all of this is happening here in 2023. And so I want to I wanna read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, to sort of set us up for today. It says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For, what, for when one says, I follow, follow Paul, and the other says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you, can, you came to believe, as, God has, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. I might pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for you. We want to thank you for your goodness and your goodness to us. And Lord, we want to thank you for your timeless word. Uh, Lord, we want to thank you for the power of Scripture, that it is not just this um, old book that we can sort of look back on um, and read fun stories and cool little you know, quotes and that, but it actually is this living word that has the ability to transform our lives here and now. It has this uh, ability to help us uh, step into a better relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that as people who want to be filled and led by the Spirit, Lord, that we would be reading your word and we would be listening to the truths in it. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue speaking to us in this service as you already have been. Amen. So, <clears throat> I think there are some external battles for all of us. You know, uh, I guess trying to work out our, our place in society, trying to work out our values, trying to work out our belief systems, as the world keeps sort of throwing uh, new and unexpected things our way. Uh, there are, like, when, from when I was a teenager to what I am now as a 22-year-old, like, things have changed so much. Like, back, back, where, back in, let me do quick math, uh, back in 2018 when I was a teenager, um, oh, no, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite old, sorry. Uh, but, like, back when I was a kid at school, like, this, these body issues were never a thing, and environmental issues were not the same as they are today, and AI issues were not the same as they are today, and political issues felt different than they do today, and there is just so much external battles going on that we all have to deal with and we all have to wrestle with. And then I think there's also this internal struggle that we're all going through at the same time. I think everyone has a part of them that wrestles with, you know, how to live your best life. Like, I think there is a struggle that starts on the day that you are born, and it doesn't stop until the day that you die. Sure, there are times when it's more apparent, and it covers more areas of your life, but there is a wrestle in all of us from day dot to day dot 
of how to live our best life, how to live our life best. Because nobody wants to be a bad person. Uh, Nobody wants to do badly in life. Uh, Nobody is seeking failure. Uh, We want to do well and we want to do good. And life goes on and the wrestle of what that means sort of keeps changing as we age into different seasons of our life. You know, in your youth, uh, it might mean that, you know, you want to be a good friend. You want to learn to be kind and not be selfish. You want to learn how to control your emotions and develop good character. Uh, You're working on boundaries, both for yourself and for other people. Uh, You want to know who you are on your own. Uh, The who I am question looms really large in this stage of life, and uh, emotional and relational issues seem to weigh a lot more on your mind at this stage. And then in your 20s and your 30s, it might be that you're wanting to grow and learn how to handle multiple pressures at once. Uh, You're wanting to know how to live out what you believe, um, and you're trying to build like long-lasting things like careers and relationships and habits. You start to future plan a bit more during this stage of life because now you realize that life moves fast, like life moves really, really fast, and so big, important decisions are made in this, this period of life. And then maybe in your 40s and your 50s, apologies, I'm lumping you guys in together, um, But you you start to understand what is working, and then you also start to understand what isn't working. Uh, You start to streamline yourself in a lot of ways. Um, You are really starting to understand what is important, and you start caring less about all the little things on the side. Big things take your interest. You know who you are now. Uh, It's time to start building legacy. And then the 60s and the 70s roll around, and you start to reflect a little bit more on whether you have planned well enough even though that question should have been asked 20 years ago, and you start to think about, hey, how can I finish well? How can I set myself up now to finish well? And what is left undone that I still want to do? You start to enjoy the smaller things more, and you start to appreciate things more. And then the 80s and the 90s hit you, and hopefully your main wrestle is which cool cardigan you're going to wear to church. You know, how often is your family going to visit you and bring you some vanilla slice? Those are the big questions on your list, hopefully. But in that period, you actually start to wonder, can I still trust myself? Like, can I still trust my body? Can I still trust my faculties? And who is going to look after me? You start worrying about trust issues and care issues. And in all these questions, and in all these life stages, there is that battle that is consistent through all of them, from young to old. And that is that battle of wanting to do what is best in that season. I want to do well in that stage of life. I want to succeed whatever that looks like in that stage of life. We want to make good choices and do good things. And for the Apostle Paul, who is writing this letter, that battle that takes many forms in our lives actually boils down to one thing. Are you mature? and living by the Spirit, or are you an infant and living as if you're still controlled by the desires of this world? Because to Paul, the best life that you could ever live is a life led by the Spirit. All of our battles in all of our stages of life are boiled down to this. Are you living by the Spirit? The church that Paul is writing to is embroiled in all these arguments and these dicey and spicy situations because, as Paul puts it, they are still worldly. 
Um, and that's something I want to dig into a little bit today. Like, what does it mean to be mature, and what does it mean to be a child? Uh, what does it mean to live by the Spirit, and what does it mean to be worldly? And I think to answer that, we need to go back a little bit earlier in the letter to chapter 2, where Paul writes this. It says, uh, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by mere human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person who is without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are only discerned through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So what we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit of from who is of God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us from human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things. If you want to be a mature believer, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to have a Spirit-led judgment about all things. If you want to be an effective and active disciple, you need to have a Spirit-led judgment about all things. And when we went through nine weeks, almost Three months in a series focused on the person of the Holy Spirit. We were not doing it just because we wanted your prayer life to lift. We were not doing it just because we wanted the worship to have a bit more of a kick to it. We were doing it because as a church we have a vision for a whole of life discipleship. And we believe that we need to be spirit led in all parts of our lives. And unless we are guided by the Holy Spirit, we cannot be fully aligned with God's work in our life, with God's work in our marriage, with God's work in our finance, with God's work in our relationships, in our responses to new ideologies and new technologies and new ideas. And we cannot be fully aligned to God's desire for our politics or our singleness or our grief or our hurt. Basically, our life. We will be infants, babies, useless blobs that sort of sit there and make noise. That will be us. That will be you. We will be surviving on milk instead of adults thriving on meat unless we, uh, unless we learn to listen to the words that the Holy Spirit speaks. I am so committed to this that I am not even drinking dairy milk anymore. I am oat milk for life. Oat gang, we represent. Yes. And I eat meat for every meal now. It used to be meat and three veg, but now it's meat and three meat. I want to be mature in the spirit so badly. I also have strange tummy aches all the time. I don't think they're connected. But I don't know about you. Like, I don't want to go back to being a baby. I don't want to go back to being in a space where I rely on the world's wisdom to guide my life. I don't want to settle for wisdom that can come from like a postcard or a poster on someone's wall with a cat saying, hang in there. Like, I don't want to settle for that when I have the wisdom from the creator of the universe at hand. 
When we allow ourselves to interpret all the goings-on in the world from our own sinful point of view, instead of seeking first God's point of view, it's like we are just like dying and thirsty people who are drinking water from this dirty puddle when there is a freshwater well right there next to them. The battle that we often have, though, is that the wisdom of God, the voice of the Spirit, doesn't always gel with what we think is the best or easiest answer. I don't always get what I think I want. Uh, It doesn't always seem to make life easier. It doesn't always help us fit in. It doesn't always help us look good to the world around us. In fact, verse 14 of the chapter we just read says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God and considers them foolishness. So it's not that the Spirit guides us to do dumb or silly things or terrible things. It's that the wisdom of the world has a different starting point and a different end point. And so there is a constant misalignment between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom. The battle is not if God can be trusted, but whether I will trust God. The battle is not if God has answers, but whether I am willing to be obedient to his truth. And we get so distracted by the world because it's constantly, constantly giving us alternative ideas and opinions. It's this never-ending cycle. It's like standing at the beach where the waves meet the shore and you are standing there and the waves are just constant. They do not stop. There is no sleep time for the ocean. The waves are just constantly coming in, constantly coming in and they're around your legs and the sand is constantly shifting and it feels like the waves are constantly trying to pull your legs out from under you. It's this never-ending situation where the world is pushing things towards us and trying to pull our legs out from under us. And that's why even in the first passage that I read, the Apostle Paul had to put an end to an argument in the church about which leader the churchgoer should be aligning themselves with. You know, some say Paul, some say Apollos. Like this is worldly teaching that is crashing in once again and trying to pull their legs out from under them. When only just a few years previous, Jesus himself had been walking on earth and Jesus himself had been saying, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, no one else but me. And yet, just a little while later, the church is arguing over which human, which person they should be aligning themselves as and which person they should be saying they follow. This is the life of a disciple. To make sure that we are placing ourselves on solid, timeless teachings of Scripture, being led and filled by the Holy Spirit, And trusting that God's way of doing life is better than any other options out there. Even when it feels like foolishness. That is what this series is about. Us moving into maturity in Christ by receiving the wisdom and direction that God gives. Especially when it flies in the face of the wisdom of today. It's like, what are you telling me that you you, you still believe this old book when pop culture is telling me this other new and true thing is happening? Are you telling me that you still believe God's plan for society when society is pressuring me to align with this other other thing on this side? Are, are you telling me that God knows me better than I know me? You know, are you telling me that values from 2,000 plus years ago are driving your life now in 2023? That's foolishness. You're a fool. That is the battle. 
that we would trust the truth given to us from God, that we would trust the wisdom given to us from God, that we would lead spirit-led lives like mature believers would, even when it, uh, when it appears completely backwards, even when it com- appears completely foolish. Uh, if the band maybe wants to join me, I guess my question is like, after these months of here's more, this spirit-led, spirit-focused series, like, are we ready for the meat? Are we ready to give up being children? Are we ready to give up the worldly values and worldly opinions because they sort of fit in with what we want? Are we ready for the meat? Are you ready to live out truth as taught by the Spirit and not by the world? Not because, uh, not living our life by the latest best-selling author or that person on TV that has really nice teeth. Like, are we ready to live by truth revealed by the Holy Spirit? Um, I was watching uh, a sermon this week by Matt Chandler, and he said this, The Bible knows nothing of you believing in Jesus, but having no intention of ever following or submitting to him. There is no category, biblically, for that being called Christianity. There is no history, no Bible verse that says, just believe and then do whatever you want. No, you are actually saved from doing whatever you want, because doing what you want turns you this way and devolves you, So Jesus says, believe me and turn this way. It is the exact same scenario with living by the Spirit. There is no basis in the Bible for being filled with the Spirit, but then not living by the Spirit. The mature disciple, the mature follower of Jesus, is a disciple who lives by the truth as revealed by the Holy Spirit. We do not have to fight the battle of creating our own truth, and trying to make sense of this world. That's not our battle. Our battle is not whether we are smarter or more clever than the secular thinkers and philosophers. That is not our battle. Our battle is this. Are we people who live by the Spirit? Are we people who trust in what God has revealed to us? Are we people who are are willing to live in obedience to the call that God has placed on every one of his children? That is our battle. Are we willing to say yes to where the Spirit leads us, even when it seems like foolishness to the world? That is our battle. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can trust you. Lord, I thank you for your timeless truths. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, I thank you that you stepped into this world. God, I just pray that as we step through this series, as we continue to move as a church, Lord, that we would not be people that back down, that we would not uh, fade away into the shadows, Lord, but we would step more boldly into the light. Lord, I pray that we would have lives that are attuned to the voice of the Spirit. Lord, that we would have uh, people filled with the Holy Spirit and we would respond to the promptings, to the tugs, to the nudges. Lord, I pray that we would be people who, as we read your living word and as as the Bible comes to life to us, we would listen and obey. Father, I pray that we would be mature believers. Lord, I pray that, you know, if the Apostle Paul was writing to this church, that he wouldn't have to say, you are mere infants, that you are still living on milk. I want to talk to you as people who have meat, but I cannot do that yet. I pray that that would not be us, Lord. I pray that he would write a letter saying, I thank God for these mature believers who do what you tell them to do. 
Lord, I pray that we would be spirit-led disciples. Lord, convict us, build us up, send us out to do your will. Amen.